Thanks for joining us for the Long Island Sound Podcast. Each week we explore new music and dive deeper with the artists and their stories behind the music. Please subscribe and rate and review us wherever you stream this podcast. Here's your host, Steve Yusko. Have I got an episode for you. Hey, if you're into heavy metal music, I met with the great Mark Valentino of Armada. Armada's been around for a number of years. They do some really great music. We've got some really great insights into his genre and the way he approaches music and his background. Some really great stories. You're going to enjoy it. Let's take a listen to their song, New Revolution. Everybody, welcome to the Long Island Sound Podcast. I'm your not-so-humble host, Steve Yusko. I'm excited because this is my guest today. It's the very first, what I would call, heavy metal rocker on the Long Island Sound. And I've been remiss in landing uh, guys like this. So uh, I'm going to get a bit of an edumacation on uh, heavy metal wow. rock music. And with that, I want to welcome Mark Valentino to the Long Island Sound. 
Welcome, Mark. Good to have thank you, you here. Thank you for having us, Steve. Really appreciate it. Really, thank you uh, for taking the time. Yeah, so, so as we were talking before the show, you're pretty much a veteran of the Long Island music yes, scene, having uh, been around for uh, a couple of yes, decades, I, I would say. Yeah. So um, let, let's start with this. What were you always, uh, and I hate to peg people down into genres, but were you always into the heavy metal, rock and roll, or what were your early influences? Oh, wow. Uh, once once you learned uh, to play the guitar, it's funny because music was always on in my house growing up. Uh, I grew up, I grew up in Mineola. Okay. Uh, I got a younger brother who's two years younger than me, and my mom always had twelve forty a.m. WGBB Long Island Station. It was always on in the morning. Okay, so we were having breakfast. There was always music on in the background. My parents were not big music lovers. They did not play instruments and. Growing up, there were two very unpopular things in my house, me and my guitar. I can tell you that. And, uh, <laughs> that damn, and guitar, damn guitar, right? <laughs> but sitting down and having breakfast and just hearing music, it, it was kind of creating, like planting that seed, so to speak. And mm -hmm. what really solidified it for me, and I remember the exact moment, uh, was in 1975. I was nine years old. And uh, okay. Born to Run by Springsteen had just come out. And my father was an old school Italian that he didn't buy meat from the supermarket. We, we had to go back to his old neighborhood in Brooklyn. Every Sunday, oh, he would take me to this old fashioned butcher shop with the sawdust on the floor, the tin ceiling, uh, the, the old yep. Italian gindaloons drinking espresso in the back room and stuff. And we were <laughs> on the way home. And we were literally on the Grand Central Parkway, right by Parsons Boulevard. And my father had the old AM, sure. the old AM radio in the car. And this is that's all. That's, that's all, all you had, had in the car, right? Yeah, back. In, and this yep. song came on, "Born to Run," and my father's getting ready to hit the button, and something about it, I'm like, <laughs> "That no," and I heard <laughs> that song, and it sparked something in me, and from that moment mm. on, I I didn't, I wasn't just a casual music listener. I became a music lover and I would start oh, listening more to these songs that were being played on that radio and listening to the story of what these songs were trying to say. And from there, that sparked my interest. That got me my love of music. I didn't start playing guitar until I was 11 years old. So two years later. Okay. But that was right. the start, man. Hearing Born to Run by Springsteen yeah. was the absolute beginning of my love for music. You know what's interesting? You bring you bring up the radio in the background, and that's what I I remember from my my childhood. We actually used the radio program to time when we had to go out to the bus. There stop. you go. I think it was it was WNEW, and I forgot the DJ, but his father was a DJ and what have you. But but you really lived by the radio. Yes. That was the driving force in yes, the house. I mean, we had the TV, but you didn't watch TV. You know, the TV was in a special room, yes, the living room, the den yep. or whatever. It wasn't in the kitchen. It was not in the no. bedroom. That's why we had so many kids. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. It, it was, uh, I think it was, a, it was a Scott Muni, the old WNEW DJ. Yeah. He was, uh, Scott Muni was on FM, but there was an AM oh, DJ. Okay. I'm certain it's going to, it's going to, I'll yeah, remember it like later. Two o'clock in the morning when you're in bed. Yeah, that's exactly. <laughs> it's gonna hit me. I'll text. I'll text. I'll probably it be to awake. <laughs> but uh... but you, you you bring you bring up a good thing in talking about Springsteen, who who I love is is he really one? I think the great artists are great storytellers. Absolutely. Both in conversation and in music. Absolutely. And that 
And that song is a story. It's a movie. It is. My, it's a movie in it my is. mind. You get the visual. Every you know? time I hear a Springsteen song, and, and honestly, man, I, 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 I could care less about anybody's politics. You know, a lot of people slag him for his politics. But that's to the side. Yep. Not even going to be part of the conversation. His music has been such a focal point of my life. No matter how heavy of music I play, and my guitar mm-hmm. influences are all over the place, it's his songwriting. It's that visual that you get in your head that you, it, it's, it's telling that story. You, you, you can see the characters in your mind's eye. And to me, that's right. what drew me in, the story. It, interesting. So now you get, uh, you get drawn into the instrument, mm-hmm. right, the, the mm-hmm. guitar. Did you take lessons or how, how did that come about for you? Well, first off, I got my first guitar from my cousin, who was the man who put the guitar in my hand. My cousin Larry lives in Connecticut. My, my mother's side of the family is from Stanford, Connecticut. My father's side is from okay. Greenpoint, Brooklyn. How the two of them met, I have no freaking idea, but they had All the, right. I, I'm a Green... My father was a Greenpoint guy on India Street in yeah, Manhattan. Yeah, you go. My father was uh, so Humboldt well. and Ainsley. So that was the okay. area. <laughs> so uh, my one cousin, he, he, he saw the Beatles at Shea, Shea Stadium back in the 60s. He went to Woodstock. Hmm. He, he, he was like the total rebel back in the day. He, he gave yeah. me my first guitar. It was an old Sears Silvertone that had all these weird-ass oh, stickers neat. on it and stuff. And um, I remember him telling my mother, uh, I don't think it works. Uh, you know, you might not want to plug it in. It's probably not going to make any sound. My mother equated that with, if you plug it in, it's going to burn the house down. So I, didn't have, <laughs> I had an electric guitar, but no guitar ramp to play it through. Yeah, oh, and uh, I took two lessons my entire life uh, from a guy who, uh, remember paper routes that we had when us elder oh, yeah, statesmen were, yep. were kids, right? Uh, I had a New York mm-hmm. Post paper route, and uh, this one guy in my route, probably was like a college-age dude, uh, he gave guitar lessons, and I went to him, and it was $10 an hour back in 1977. Okay, not, not, not cheap. cheap. And the first lesson right. was... The parts of the guitar. So this is the bridge. These are the pickups. These are the tuners. This is the neck. And dopey mm-hmm. me is like, okay. Next week's lesson, <laughs> how to hold the guitar. And I'm like, when am I going to get around to playing the damn thing? He goes, oh, yeah, we got to start yeah. you from scratch. I'm like, uh, I'm going to be going broke before I can even play one chord. I've been <laughs> self-taught for going on 46 years. I taught wow. myself guitar. Wow. I taught myself drums, bass, piano. Yeah, I I, I took like, to it like a fish to water. And I was that guy that used to spend eight to ten hours a day in the room practicing. Oh, I don't know. Yeah, woodshed. Wood wood shed, you said that before. Saying, like, right? listen, I, yeah. I never missed school. My homework was done on time. I got okay grades. I, I was still involved in three or four different little league sports. I still had friends. I still had a life. I just made it work. You know, I, 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 I wanted to play this guitar and for years I was horrible, man. I look back on some of the things I, I, I knew I was bad. It, it took a long time right. for it to finally click and uh, actually feel that I could actually play this thing in front of other people without getting laughed at. I know, I know exactly what you mean. It's like you're a disaster for your master and, <laughs> yeah. and, and, and you know what we always do? We compare, you know, like, oh my God, I, I can't, can't go up. Nah. And, and strum nah. mine. And for me, I tell you, for me, I started late in life. I started on the piano. Mm-hmm. Same thing. Same thing. Mrs. Wallace. I was like, I don't want to play damn itsy bitsy spider anymore. I want to play something <laughs> yeah. cool. That was my that was my demise and lack of, of woodshedding. Exactly. That's 
the number yeah. problem. But, uh, you know, comparing yourself and then finally getting it. And then for me, it was my wife actually saying, yeah, I'm pretty proud of you. You actually can can put a song mm-hmm. together and, and, you know, play it. And I was like, wow, it's, it's nice to hear it from somebody else. Hey, let's do this, Mark. Let's just take a quick mm-hmm. break. And you got to explain, first of all, you're going to have to explain heavy metal sure. to me because I am like an alien and I'm trying to figure out in my mind, how the heck is this really nice guy, a heavy metal guy? Because I expected something totally well, different. Well, I, I, anyway. I left my long hair wig and my spandex are in the closet. I can go put them on if you want. Yeah, mine fell out. So. <laughs> <laughs> hey, everybody, hang with us. We'll be back with Mark Valentino uh, and his band Armada. We got plenty to talk about. Stick with us. We'll be right back. Looking to rock out to the best of Long Island's music? The Long Island Sound Podcast has got you covered. From intimate coffeehouse performances to sold-out stadium shows, we bring you to the heart of Long Island's music scene. Don't miss out on the exclusive interviews with local legends and emerging artists. Subscribe to the Long Island Sound Podcast on gigdestiny.com and crank up the volume on your love for music. All right, so I kind of laid the gauntlet down for Mark here to explain to this knucklehead host of yours, what the heck is heavy metal? How did you get attracted to it? Why do you do it? Uh, and I was telling Mark, let me just tell, say this really quick. I was listening to, I always listen to my artist music, whether I'm on the long drive home, and I'm like, oh my God, this this is heavy stuff, you know? <laughs> To, to me you know but it was good because i was pissed off in traffic so the song really helped <laughs> really it really helped it really helped my emotions i wasn't using the laser beams to to uh yell at people who were cutting there me off but go. anyway there i kind of laid a lot out there so kind of kind of explain it to me as if i'm like i came from uh you know iceland and right. this is something new to me there you go well you know <laughs> i i always felt that like i'll be 57 next month and I was in high school from 1980 to 1984. And I started playing guitar back in 77. Okay. I've always felt that I grew up in the perfect era for guitar. Okay. Eddie Van Halen came out in 78 and we all went, what the frick is that? You know? <laughs> right. Then you had Al Demiola, Randy Rhodes, Neil Sean from Journey, all these guys, all these great bands came out. So... I, I wasn't really into the punk stuff of the late 70s. Okay. Uh, I, 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 the first real hard rock band I got into was Kiss, oddly enough, uh, through some friends when I was 10 years old. And mm-hmm. yeah, you know, the makeup and the stage show and everything draws you in, but I heard the music. Right. And that was my first foray into hard rock. Mm-hmm. I couldn't play any of their stuff on guitar because unbeknownst to me, Kiss back in the day used to tune down a half step. Uh, okay. I'm trying to figure out all these weird chords and it just, I just didn't sound. Right? Yeah. yeah. But, uh, I got into journey at a very young age. I, I'm still a massive journey fan. I find that my guitar style is a lot like Neil Sean's guitar style. I got like the okay. fire, but the melodicism, right? Mm-hmm. But I started listening to Iron Maiden, Judas Priest, all these great metal bands, uh, Metallica. I, I saw Metallica in Valley stream, Okay. January 21st, 1984, at the Rio Theater in Valley Stream, a movie theater that was converted into a concert hall, and see Metallica when they were like teenagers. Oh, that, wow. It was amazing. I, I, I got so into this heavy stuff, and it was a great way just to 
learn guitar. You know, it wasn't complicated. Mm. It was fast. And like I always tell people, I learned how to play fast before I learned how to play well. Okay. All and, right. you know, typical teen angst, man. You know, we're all teenagers. We're trying to navigate our way through life. You know, you're, you're dealing with your parents. You're dealing with your teachers. You're dealing with your boss. You're dealing with your friends. You're dealing with your girlfriends. You get all this anger. You know, I, I look at my son, my oldest son growing up. You know, once he mm-hmm. hit his teens, he, he just was this angry young man. We all go through <laughs> it. It's the hormones, man. And right. I just gravitated towards this this genre that I felt it made sense to me. Gotcha. Okay. D- disco didn't make sense to me in the late 70s. I thought it was catchy, but it just didn't speak to me the way this hard rock, heavy metal stuff did. And it, with the guitar in my hand, yes, I was learning Springsteen songs. I, I'm a huge Springsteen fan. I mean, listen, the Beatles are my, old, my favorite band of all time. The, I'm, I'm a Beatle freak. But there was something about those Springsteen songs that I wanted to combine the heaviness of the guitar playing that I liked with the storytelling of Springsteen. Because, you know, back in the 80s, it was sex, drugs, and rock and roll, man. That, that, that's what people used to write about. You know, I, mm-hmm. I, I listen to some of those songs from the 80s. I hear them and I got to cringe a little because <laughs> of the lyrical content. It has nothing right. to do with my religious views. It's just, you know, I, I think I kind of grew up uh, past that. But there was something about the aggression, something about the groove. There was something about that sound, just, you know, plugging into a Marshall amplifier and and put that distortion all the way up and grabbing a guitar and just hitting that A chord that just resonated with me. And you know, you know know what I find, I find interesting. We're in the same generation is how much of an influence, whatever music genre you got tied into in high school, Mm-hmm. How it how it continues to resonate with you, yes. really for the for the rest of your life. It right? does. It does. It, it it shapes you in a certain way. Yes, I absolutely I agree. Yeah, and you know, and, and what's interesting as as we get older here, and I'm going to get on my soapbox a little bit is, you know, you recognize the angry young man that's still inside you to a certain degree. Yeah, that gets frustrated with, you name it. In life, there are things we get frustrated about, mm-hmm. and where music can be. They sound strange, a healing thing in that Absolutely. I'm going to get this out through my music because I'm not going to punch a guy in the face anymore. Absolutely. <laughs> I, I've always you know? felt, like, for me, songwriting has always been very personal. Uh, I've, I've written 35, almost 40 songs in my life. Mm-hmm. Uh, most of them I wrote when I was with Cosmos Moon, my first original band that I had from 2000 to 2014. Okay. Only once I tried to write a song about sex. And it was horrible. I, I, I wrote it. I played it once to myself. Then I tore it up. I said, nope, I'll leave that to the other guys. I'll, I'll, Prince can write about sex all he wants. He does a great job. Mark Valentino cannot. So <laughs> I, I, I played to my strengths, you know. Uh, you know, it's funny you say that because there's a great Springsteen line. It says, you know, when it comes to lovemaking and sex, it's better demonstrated than talked about. <laughs> absolutely. Absolutely. I will agree with that every single time. So, so let, me throw this, yeah. let me throw this question at you. What was the most important thing that you've learned as a musician over the years? What's the most important thing that you've learned? The most important thing? I mean, there's a lot of things that are important. Uh, All right, let me ask you. Let me ask you a different way. Okay. Now, I I have this theory that I've written a thousand pieces of a song okay. that I've never put together, mm-hmm. and I look at singers, songwriters, and musicians and artists sure. who are able to express 
things that I can't articulate, whether it's in lyrics or in, or in music, mm -hmm. okay? So that's where I, I see the divide. I see that people like yourself act on it, mm -hmm. woodshed at it, practice, you know, put, put in the mileage yeah. that you could get up in front of people and say, yeah, I can do this, okay? Where some of us, the first time I played live, I mean, it was in front of family, but I'm telling you, I had like jitters and lumps in my throat, you know, of, you know, what are they going to think? You know, what if I really suck and I don't mm -hmm. know it? You know, stuff mm -hmm. like that. So over the years, let, let, let me let me narrow it down because maybe that's too broad of a question. Mm -hmm. In your performance, what have you learned? What are the most valuable things you've learned as far as a performing artist uh, playing out live? Listen. How's that? Listen. Listen to your fellow musicians. You okay. have to lock in. We're not, you know, freeform jazz, where everybody is playing their own thing, and nothing sounds like it's meshed. Like when you listen to each piece on its own, it sounds like somebody just noodling. But when you put it all together, it works in that genre. Any other situation, any band I've ever been in, ever been in, listen to the musicians that you're playing with. Play off okay. of each other. Know when to hang back. Know when to fill in the gaps every mm. note that you don't play is just as important as every note that you do play great lesson yeah. uh another yeah. thing is to make eye contact with the audience mm. make them feel like they're part of it to just stand there and play and look down the whole time i know i wouldn't like that when i'm in the audience because i go to a lot of shows mm -hmm. i don't i want that I want to vibe off of what's coming off the stage. So when I'm on stage, I want that audience to vibe off of what I'm feeling. So listening right. to my fellow musicians on stage and vibing with the audience, I feel are the two two of the most important things. That yeah, I would and you know what? I, I agree with you in that I see it as a dividing line between someone who's a performer, per se, and an entertainer. Oh, yeah. And some, sometimes oh, yeah. You, it's not necessarily you're one or the other. You can be both. But there is that nuance of the artist welcoming me, welcoming me into their world Big at time. that moment. Big time. Um, and it's almost almost like a, going to the movies, too. Like when you get pulled into it and you forget you're in a theater, when I'm watching somebody live and I'm forgetting yeah. about the woes of the day, that's really something special. And that's what's great, what, what you guys do, you know? Exactly. And you know something? Original music on Long Island, it's been around for a very, very long time. You know, there's a lot of famous artists out there that came from Long Island that started out mm. by, you know, slogging it out in the clubs like the rest of us have had to do. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, I was having a conversation with somebody recently and they were talking about success. And they're like, well, you know, you're an original artist on Long Island, but who knows who you are besides Long Island? I'm like, well, with the internet, a lot of people can learn about our music. There's people who know my music in other countries. But, you know, am I, am I living, are we speaking from my yacht in the south of France right now with the money I made off of music? No. To me, as an original artist on Long Island, my level of success, success for me, mm -hmm. is playing a show and seeing people in the audience singing along to lyrics that I wrote. Ah, uh, cool. That's it, right. bro. That's it right there. Because my job pays me well. My bills are paid. I got my toys. Mm -hmm. I don't need to do music to make money. I do it because I love it. And I do it because I enjoy the people I play with and I enjoy the people I play for. So the success that I've had in music on Long Island is just having people singing back my songs. 
I'm happy. Well, you know that's that that's the that's the measurement stick that you that's the best measurement stick. Yeah. You know when when we start, and I would say a lot of young artists, and I'm I'm thinking of the young Steve here, mm-hmm. myself is you know, the tendency to measure uh, against your friends and the envy and everything else. But once you get to that, mm-hmm. hey, I know myself. I'm not starving, mm-hmm. uh, but this really gets me. You know, yeah. uh, is a great is a great place to be. Hey, let's do this. So tell me, so you had a band for 14 years called yeah. Cosmos Cosmos Moon. Moon. Yep, Cosmos Moon. Tell me about that. And then you're 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 a new guy. You're the new guy, the newbie in Armada. Tell yeah. me how that came about. Sure. Tell me about the band. You, uh, you know, I was looking at their bios, and I'm like, wow, you got a pretty eclectic group of guys with do. very vast influences, which is kind of cool. It's amazing, so. yeah. Um, yeah, back in 2000, like, I was always playing music, but I really was never playing in a band. Cosmos okay. Moon was pretty much my first band in, in the year 2000. I'm, I'm, you know, 34, 35 years old, and I'm like, oh, I want to start playing in a band. And okay. I answer an ad, and uh, I audition, and this is a band called... You know, I, I forget. Wow, I actually do forget the name of what they were called before I first showed up. I don't think they even had a name. And they were, <laughs> yeah, they were not a memorable name. That's for sure, not a memorable name. <laughs> and uh, they were doing half covers, half originals. And uh, we, uh, they were rehearsing at the old Phase One Studios uh, in Farmingdale. Uh, shout oh, out to sure. my friend Walter, who used to own it. Everybody knows Walter. Mm-hmm. And I hadn't written anything yet. We were doing. The songs that the other guitar player had written, plus some covers. And they were like, listen, do you have any songs? I'm like, no, but I think I'm going to start writing some. And little by little, we went from this half cover, half original band. Members come, members go like any band does. Mm -hmm. But but within a couple of years, I went from being this guy who had to audition for the band to being the band leader. And we Mm -hmm. were all original. I was on this writing kick like you would not believe. It was like you just tapped into that thing and i just ran with it i wrote nice. god knows how many songs i was it was i was so prolific for the longest time uh i always felt we were the spinal tap of bass players like spinal tap <laughs> you know drummers would explode and you know right, disappear we had the revolving door of bass players and, and <laughs> bass players man you you guys got the pick of the litter here on long island and most of them want to be in the cover in the tribute band so it's hard to get them to pin down for an original band but uh by 2009 we, we had already put out one album, and uh, we were playing in the Long Island Music Festival, and we came in mm-hmm. fourth out of 125 bands that year. Wow, nice. Yeah. And, uh, I, I, you know, it was great. I was writing all the songs. I was booking all the shows. I was getting us on all the TV and radio stuff. I was doing all the wow. promotions. But I got burnt out. I got burnt yeah, that's out a, after a while. That's a, that's a tough job. It is. I've tried it. it is. I tried it during COVID to help a couple of buddies, and I'm like, I got a full-time job. This is the pressure to, to keep it flowing. It is tough. Yeah. And, 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 and it wasn't because the other guys in the band couldn't, and it wasn't because I was a, a control freak. I just loved doing it so much that the band members were just like, listen, you, you got it, man. Just, just keep it going. And by 2014, I, I was just totally burnt. You know, my, my, my wife at the time, she's my ex-wife now, she became our singer. She was a professional opera singer uh, who sounded like Pat Benatar. So, like, that female voice uh, yep. really gave us a different dynamic. Uh, we started using seven-string guitars as opposed to six. Like, we had a really deep, growly sound. And it was fun until it wasn't fun anymore. Right. And I had to walk away. Uh, 
I started playing in a cover band uh, called Armed and Dangerous a year okay. later. You know, a friend of mine. We were all patch members of motorcycle clubs. And okay. uh, one, the guy who was the singer wanted to do this one-off show. And it turned into another few years of me playing with those guys. Mm. Uh, I decided I'm really not much into cover stuff. I, I have no problem with cover bands or tribute bands. Every, everybody has their place. And every, every, every band out there, they're good. I just myself, I prefer doing original music. Uh, I took a couple of years off, went in and out of a couple of other original bands. But I, by like 2020, I was just so disillusioned with the music scene on Long Island. It yeah. Just, and I, throw, throw the quarantine on top of that. Too. Oh, my God. Yeah. Right. So, yeah. Uh, about a year ago this time, I started putting ads out in different Facebook music pages, Long Island music pages, you know, guitarists mm -hmm. looking for anything. I was even going to go into a cover band or a tribute band. I was, I was willing sure. to go into country music. You know, I just wanted to play and I couldn't find anything that I liked. Uh, one mm. band that I auditioned for, it, it was, it was a nightmare. It was a train wreck. I'm, I, I'm, I'm just, I'm done. And then, uh, last early August, I get a phone call on my voicemail because I'm, I don't answer phones that I don't see the name. And if I don't know them, it goes to voicemail. Right. Sure. And it was the drummer, Dean, from the band Armada. And he had heard my music links that I put up because I have a whole bunch of solo music that I've done. Mm. And he, uh, he loved what he heard. And he wanted me to come down, that the guys in the band were very interested in me. And uh, wow, you know, nice. the name of the band was Armada. And I'm like, I know those guys. I used to play with them back in the day. And... Uh, I, I heard the songs. I remembered some of the songs from when I saw when I played with these guys twenty something years ago. Oh wow! And it was like a fortunate turn of events because here I am living in Oceanside, and they rehearse in Long Beach, which is five oh, minutes perfect. away from me. Yeah, the singers yeah, got a perfect. rehearsal studio in the basement, and I I took to the songs immediately. I I, I believed the songs. You know that you know. I'm not a snob. I'm really not a musical snob. But oh come on, a little, little bit, little very I'm much kidding. so, I'm very, very, very <laughs> much so, very much so. Sometimes to my detriment, uh, <laughs> you know. I'm also a huge Dream Theater fan. It's like to me that's the benchmark of what a band should be. So I always compare everything to those guys, which is not fair to anybody. But I believed the songs that these guys okay. were writing. Uh, our, nice. our our vocalist Jose Martinez is an astounding, astounding. Lyricist. He he writes some great stuff because I love to write lyrics too. In this band, I don't even have to leave it to Jose. He does an amazing job. So That's nice. yeah, I auditioned and it was the first band I ever played in where there was no second guitarist. I'm used to having a rhythm guitarist behind me. Oh okay. Yeah, creating that nice wall of sound that I can solo over. In this band, we don't need it. It's just everybody just seems to fit perfectly, man. It's seamless the way these guys play together. They they have a, a, a sound unto their own, and mm. I've 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 loved it. I've loved it. They they you know I, I've been respectful to the material that I'm not changing arrangements, but they've right, been respectful sure. to me to allow me to change the guitar solos around a little bit because any guitarist will tell you, you know, you you have to make it your own. You yeah, know? of course. But I, I'm not going to sit there and try to rewrite the guitar solo to Stairway to Heaven or Comfortably Numb. You know, sometimes you got to stay true to the original. But these guys allow me to put my stamp on things, and I'm very much appreciative of that. You know, it sounds like it sounds like to me you really got you started from a point of respect, 
which, which oh, is absolutely. really absolutely and and once you and then you build trust over time just playing with each other and stuff like that exactly it, it's interesting you've had you know two decades into music and here you are trying out you know auditioning yeah yeah, uh, yeah. that must have been an, an interesting dynamic i guess but but it you knew was. them too Yes. Yeah. Yes. I, I, you know, I'm, I'm no stranger to going on auditions. I actually auditioned uh, for Dan Nelson, who used to be the singer of Anthrax. He was putting an original oh. project together around five years ago. And I was fortunate. I, I beat out 13 guys for the job. Nice. You know, I really put the time in. You know, we played for a little while. It didn't quite pan out. You know, uh, we decided to uh, dissolve the project. But, uh, you know, when it comes to auditions, I, I try to be as prepared as I possibly can. I learned the songs. Because I know what it's like in Cosmo's Moon. Whenever we had to get a new bass player or replace another guitar player or whatnot, mm -hmm. I sent them all the music. I sent them all the, the sound files. I tabbed everything out. And for some people to come down and you could tell that they didn't ever even look at it or listen to it once. They didn't do the work. They didn't, right? they didn't put the time in, man. That used to annoy us to no end. So I never, I never want to do that to any band that I'm going to audition for. You're, you're, you, you, you want me to come down. You want me to play my best. I'm going to play my best. If it works, great. Yeah. If it doesn't work, hey. You know, it's 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 funny. It, it, it not 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 that it's funny, funny, mm -hmm. but it's interesting. That throws up a red flag right away. If he's if he's not putting in the work to do the audition, what's he going to be like when we're about to do a show? Absolutely, you know? a band I, is like a dysfunctional family, man. These are people well, you spend yeah. a lot of time with, and 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 we got to have that mutual love and respect for each other. Otherwise, it's not going to work. Yeah, I was I I was uh, I interviewed Nancy Atlas, who's a well known. Mm -hmm gal out uh, on the east end yeah. and and she's played with some of the most famous people in the world right out in uh steven's talk house mm -hmm. and i asked her like how do you get there she goes you know what she goes i have a lot of fun but i take it very seriously this is this is my craft and mm -hmm. you know what you don't show up late you know yeah. that this is what we do you know yes. we got to respect each other's time That's and right. she kind of she kind of set the parameters which i really you know gave me a peek into a band because uh, we've all been in different groups where you go, you know, oh, oh here she is. <laughs> the diva showed up, you know, because yeah. she can after we lugged all the equipment in, you know. Exactly. So it sounds to me um, that Armada is kind of like a, a heavy three-piece with a good front man. Is, is, Absolutely. Does that, does yes. That the, yeah, yes. Okay. Yes. And Jose, and, is like and, a, he's a performer on stage, man. He's He's got an acting background and shows when okay. he's on stage. Yeah. He knows how to draw yeah, an audience in. Yeah, and that's 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 the key to a front man or a front woman on that's on right. their ability to do that's that, right. and like you were saying before, you know, making that that connection, but but it's also you it's the rest of the players supporting that connection, mm -hmm. and that eye contact with with the audience. Yes, and what's what I find is interesting, and this I, in the performing arts, whether it's an actor, or or a performer like yourself. I've met a lot of people who are introverts in person, socially. Okay, I would not peg you as an introvert. Well, <laughs> take that as a compliment. There you go. Um, but I've seen people who socially are awkward, yeah. especially around extroverts like myself. Mm -hmm. But then they get on stage, and you go, "Holy shit! Who the hell is that?" <laughs> yeah. Right? Is that right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's like it's like. They take on the mask is off and, and mm -hmm. you know they're in their, they're in their element, zone, man. Yeah, they're in their element. Exactly, exactly. Yeah. So, so I want to talk about the music. So we heard new revolution coming mm -hmm. in uh, for our audience, and 
I know you're new to the band, but I want to talk about the next song that you brought to the table, Judgment mm-hmm. Day. And I just want to make a comment. In listening to Jose sing, mm-hmm. you know what comes to mind is like, what? holy crap, he must really prep his voice because yeah. these are not easy songs to sing. No, they're not. You know? Yeah. And no, and I'm, I'm curious, someday we'll hear from him, you know, what he does for prep and how do you do several sets in a row with this genre music? It's got, you, mm. you, I don't know, I, I guess... Well, yeah. Before Maybe the show, tell Jose doesn't talk much. Like the night of a gig, there's many times he'll just sit in his car up until almost the time we're ready to play. Interesting. It's not, it's not because he's being standoffish. It's not that he's not personable. He's, he's, he's a freaking awesome guy. He's, mm-hmm. he's preserving his voice because okay. you're, in a, you're in this loud club, band is playing, it's very high volume, and... Unless you could read lips, you can't hear somebody just talking next to you. You're almost screaming in each other's ears. Right. He doesn't want to burn his voice out. Now, we're not at the level yet, or the stage yet, where we're doing a complete night by ourselves. Uh, Unlike a cover band or a tribute band that can have the wealth of material to cover an entire night, most original bands will play with other bands, play through promoters with other bands, and we'll do anywhere from a 30 to a 45 to a 60-minute set. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, we have about 13 or 14 songs ready to go, stage ready, stage tested, but we're not spending hours up there on stage. So we're never I getting to the point. Yeah. Okay. And what we've also done recently is we decided to start down tuning. So we're not tuning to standard anymore. We're tuning one full complete step down to D. Okay. And, uh, Jerry, our bass player, he and I were talking about it once mm-hmm. and, uh, we wanted to give the band a heavier sound. And we said, you know something? Let's tune down for this week's rehearsal. We're not going to tell the other guys because we don't know if they're going to like it or not. And we tuned our, our guitars and basses down one full step. And we came to practice. Uh, every, every, every string down a whole step? Every string. Not, not okay. drop D tuning. The entire okay. guitar is tuned down to D. You know, one full step all the way down. Okay. And uh, Jose was just having a great time. He's like, oh, man, my voice is nice and loose tonight. I'm feeling good. And me and Jerry are laughing our asses off because he's not – Jose's not in on the joke. And the drummer, Dean, he's got a great ear. He doesn't play guitar. He, he's a drummer. But he heard – he goes, yeah, things sound really, really good tonight, man. What's going on? <laughs> so I'm like, okay, got, we got to spill the beans. We're like, we tuned down tonight. And Jose's like, oh, my God, I cannot, not, I'm not straining my voice. I, I, I'm not screaming. And even our seven-string guitars, we've tuned them down to A because the low string on a seven-string guitar is a low B. Everything's okay. tuned down one full step there. And it's given us this heavier, growlier sound. Mm. Uh, Jose's not fighting himself because, look, as you get older, like all these bands from the 80s that are still doing it live, they're, they're tuning down because the, you, you, you're – your voice, your your everything to do with the vocals. That's a muscle like anything else. You know, fifty years in, you're 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 going to hurt yourself if you're straining it. So we tune down a full step now. It makes us sound heavier. It makes us sound thicker, and it's not a strain on Jose's voice, and it allows him to get into those ranges without doing any damage. Nice. All right. So let's. Well, it's interesting. I wonder if Judgment Day. Well, this is before they recorded Judgment Day before you came on. Yeah, board. all all the songs that you're hearing tonight, I don't play on in studio, but I do play on stage. All right. Let's listen to Judgment Day. Hang with us everybody, we'll be right back after the song. Got lots to talk about. <laughs>
Welcome back, everybody. Um, we are back, and I'm with Mark Valentino of Armada, and Mark's a, a newbie uh, to Armada. I want to really talk about the band because okay. as I'm looking, and it's, uh, by the way, armadarockband.com, and you'll find all the, uh, the details in the description below of where to find the band and their music. But uh, as I'm reading through, so we got uh, Jose Mars, his lead mm -hmm. vocals. He's your front man. Yes, he is. Okay. Then you got Jerry Van Rosado, correct? Yep. Bass bass player and backing vocals. Then mm -hmm. you got Mark on guitar, and yes, you do some singing there too. Yes. And Dean Steiger, right? Yes. On drums. Did I get that right? You got him all right. There you go. What if he's related to Steiger Boats? I don't know. Nah, he would, he would, he'd be a trust fund baby then. Exactly. <laughs> mm -hmm. So you, you said that you've opened uh, in your other band for Amada. Is it the same lineup that they had? Obviously, the, you're the guitar player now. but um, uh, They had a different bass player back then, if I remember correctly. Um, mm -hmm. But I remember Jose, you know, uh, and uh, Dean's been the drummer since like day one. So, uh, yeah, you know, and... They were good back then, and uh, I think they're even a little bit better now. Yeah, you know what's interesting, and we touched on this a little bit about, you know, this is really the time of the tribute band, and, you know, tribute yeah. bands also, they're great at what they do, but they also sneak in some originals here mm -hmm. and there. Mm -hmm. And it seems to me, of the venue operators that I've spoken to, it's like they want a tribute band because, like, hey, if they like Journey, they're going to like the Journey tribute band, and exactly. they're going to bring the following to it. Exactly. And I, and I can appreciate that. Uh, there are... A few, I would say, and I got to do some more research on this. Katie's of Smithtown. Mm -hmm. Got to get more into Nassau County of those venues that are open to original music. Mm -hmm. But like you said, it's usually going to be a pairing of a few bands together in order to carry the night through mm -hmm. uh, to do that. So that's always always a challenge. Let's talk about this. Let's talk about the music business because yeah. um, you did a lot of promotion with with your bands. You know, you were the guy who got yeah, the gigs, right? That's exactly. Yeah, Cosmos Moon. I was doing it all. Sure. Doing it all. And there's a certain, you know, it's, it's interesting. It's, and I'm a sales guy. So mm -hmm. everything is relationships. Right. And, you know, it's making that relation relationship with the venue owner of, all right, are these guys going to be responsible and show up? Mm -hmm. They always ask you the same question. How many people are you going to bring? Mm -hmm. <laughs> you know, and, and exactly. I've talked to other, you know, I've talked to my good friend, uh, Rob Bello, who said, hey, you know what? I've been doing this for 30 years. I tell them I bring the music and the entertainment. I'm not going to yeah. be responsible yeah. for bringing the audience. And yet, you know, I, you can never promise. You know, you can say, hey, I'll put it out there. I'll help advertise. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And uh, so tell me about what you see of the differences from back in the day when you were wow. uh, getting gigs to how things are now. Well, we're going to go back even farther than okay. when I started Cosmos Moon. Uh, let's go back to the late 70s. Okay. Long Island was a hotbed of musical activity. Great. You could go out seven nights a week to a whole bunch of different clubs and hear a lot of great music. Some mm -hmm. of it was original. Some of it was cover. Uh, I don't know how many tribute bands there were back in the 70s because the bands that the tribute bands are copying were still around back then, I guess. Uh, but you could go out seven nights a week and hear so much different kind of music. Mm -hmm. As the 80s started coming on, you know, bands were playing cover tunes, but they were throwing original music in and slowly morphing from 
cover bands into original bands. By back in the eighties, the bands of Long Island built a scene together. They mm -hmm. networked with each other. If they were promoters, they were there, but a lot of times it was you creating the scene. Okay. And everybody was working towards that same goal. We just want to play out. We're rehearsing all week long. Some of these bands were rehearsing two, three, four nights a week. Mm. And now they're getting on stage. By the mid-90s, late 90s, you know, all the 80s bands that were back then in the day playing out have either retired out, doing different things, or you had your Joan Jets and your Zebras and, and Twisted Sister, the ones who did become something. Yeah, Good Rats. Good yeah. Rats. We opened up for the Good Rats back in the day. Oh, cool. Uh, by the mid-90s, Long Island was becoming stagnant again. Right. Bands were not networking. They were just trying. It was everybody out for themselves. Mm. Now, I will never say anything bad about any venue. I'll never say anything bad about any band because it takes a lot of guts to get up there and play. And it takes a lot of guts to open up a bar and, and have a venue because this is, this is your livelihood now. Sure. But there's a weird push-pull. There's a weird give-and-take. There's a weird tug-of-war between the venues and the artists. Venues rely on the bands to bring in the audience. Mm -hmm. Bands rely a lot of times on the venue to have their own built-in crowd. And instead of the both of them working together to try to promote as best as possible, in many cases, it's one side expecting the other to do all the work. And like right. your friend said, you know, you, you provide the crowd, I'm going to provide the entertainment. I think it's got to be symbiotic where both of them are working together. You know, yeah, I, yeah, and that's yeah, there has to be. be some level of partnership. But one of the other things I think that affected, so I was in high school, graduate high school in 79. Okay. And that's where disco and dance music started becoming popular. Yeah. And this new thing of the DJ in the radio station was now the DJ in the venue. Yes. Actually happened with LIR too. Mm -hmm. And I actually interviewed sure. Larry the Duck Dunn. <laughs> oh my God, where, I remember him. Yeah, great guy, by the way. Yeah. And he's involved, by the way, as a board member for the Long Island Music Hall of Fame. Oh, he's a real excellent. sweetheart guy. Still has a show on uh, Cirrus XM. Anywho, so that that migration happened where i can only speak for myself mm -hmm. i went to a bar had drinks and had a great time listened to a band had a great time but then there was another venue uncle sam's and all oh these i remember them speakeasy or whatever yeah speaks speaks right yes by you in oceanside or in Lido beach in, the, in this area yes yes yeah there were there were a couple of places and then yeah. you had malibu and all that that's and yeah. all of a sudden now things change and you saw bands like gold coast and stuff like mm -hmm. that that all of a sudden just kind of melt melted away in, in my vision you know right where they would be playing god they play the obi uh down by yeah. me here in babylon or you know out east and all and you had all mm -hmm. these clubs Yes. And then Uncle Sam's came along and they, and things changed. Yeah. But what I do like now, and now I'm now I'm 61, right? Mm -hmm. Is and I discovered this late. I call it music discovery, the wellspring of talent on Long Island, mm -hmm. right? Is there is that singer-songwriter coming back up. There are mm -hmm. and now I think there's a backlog of after COVID of people want community and to enjoy themselves communally. Yes. And listen yeah. listen to music. So I think they're starting to move that but you had a lot of venues that went under you know well, venues yeah. went under because 
I think the music shifted on Long Island. So, right. you know, okay, I'll be 57. I know most people my age, they want to go out to a venue. They want to hear music that they already know. Right. The bands become the human jukeboxes. People, yeah, are, people yeah. are not going out to these venues in many cases for the purpose of hearing the band. They're going out for that socialization aspect. Right, right. And, and the younger crowd, like the 20-somethings, when we were the 20-somethings, well, listen, I'm going to be brutally honest, the music was better. You know, <laughs> a lot of this pop music that's coming out today, it's just churned out, repetitive, run-of-the-mill, same formula songs. Uh, for, I'll say that. For, there are formulas that you recognize, yeah. Certainly. You ever notice how pretty much every pop song and light rock song, even commercial rock song, they get to the chorus within one minute of, of the beginning of the song. It's all the same. You, you could time it. Look, it, it's the formula. You got to get to the chorus within, within one minute. You got to get to the hook. Get to the hook. You got to get to you the know? hook, right? Exactly. Yeah. So the problem is that with Long Island is that there's so many great places to go out and hang out, but mm -hmm. people want to hear the music that they know. There used to be so many great venues to play original music. There's not that many anymore. And right. the ones that are having it, you know, you, you deal with the venue, you deal with the promoter. Oh, you got to bring down a minimum 25 people. You got to sell tickets. You got to do that. And it's difficult. I don't want to be the guy that every time I'm calling my friends on the phone, oh, it's that guy. He, want, he wants us to come down and see a stupid band again. No, that's why we're trying to expand off Long Island. When we play in Brooklyn, and we've played Lucky 13 Saloon, we've, we've played The Meadows, mm -hmm. um, we do phenomenal in places like that. Just moving, a, go a little bit west of, of Nassau County, and you're in a totally different environment that has a greater appreciation for live original music. But we don't want to give up on Long Island. It's our home. It's where we're from, you right, know? Right, right. But yeah. the, the whole the whole genre, the whole trend has shifted so much, just like in the last dozen years. It was I think it was bad 20 years ago trying to get original music going on Long Island. It's gotten worse only because there's so many cover and tribute bands. People want to hear what they know. And I don't think the venues in many cases want to take the chances on original music. For whatever reason, it's their business. I can totally right. understand. Yeah, yeah that, that's, that's the conundrum. But I can speak for myself. One of the things that drew me to doing this podcast, hey, look, I'm a big Neil Young fan. I love the 70s music. I love everything mm -hmm. from Dylan to Tom Petty, you name it, right? Mm -hmm. But I, I found myself, I'm trying to think, um, there's an actor who talked about a, a Springsteen boy uh, song, Glory Days. You know, mm. yeah. guys reminiscing about his glory days, the glory yeah. days. Yeah. You know what? That kind of rung true to me. I don't want to be the guy thinking about or only talking about the glory days. Hey, give me exactly. something new. I listen to WFUV, the Fordham station, which is more eclectic yes, and, yes. and broad-based as far yeah. as influences. And, you you know, they say music discovery, and it's true. And then I ruled, rolled the dice with the Long Island Sound, and then I was like, holy crap, there are really talented people out there that nobody knows about. Exactly. There are people yeah. that I didn't know about, and I'm 61 years old. Mm -hmm. I went to Stephen Talkhouse in Amaganza for the very first time, mm -hmm. and I'm kicking myself for the years that I should have been out there seeing all these great acts that are out there. Yeah. So hopefully there's some venue operators out there that realize, hey, you know what? There is a wellspring of talent out here, and there is a hunger for something different. Yeah, we like something that's familiar, and that's where I think the balance comes in. You mm -hmm. know, do covers 
don't be a tribute band per se, not to disparage tribute no. bands. But now, hey, let me give you something that comes from my heart. Yeah. That I'm going to share with you. I think that's 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 kind of cool of what's the potential is, you know. And that's why my son, you know, he plays in this brutally heavy grindcore band called Blame God, and okay. they do amazing everywhere but Long Island. I mean, I've I've gone to see oh, them on Long Island. They they do sell pretty well out here. But these are four guys, five guys that'll get in a van and drive cross country, and they're playing these amazing shows. You know, the, 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 the original music scene in other cities and states is so much stronger, you know? Why Long Island doesn't seem to take to it, I don't know, but there are, like you said, some really great original artists on Long Island. It's just a matter of people trying to take the interest in it. And like you said, there's a lot of great new music out there. Like, I don't just sit there and listen to the same stuff I've been listening to since I was a kid. Um, mm -hmm. my, my desire to learn about different guitar players and try to better my style of playing, I've gotten into country music so much in the last few years. There's such a... A, um, a crossover between rock and country and pop and country that it's 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 so accessible. It's not just a bunch of guys playing dueling banjos, you know. That right, right. There's really a lot of great music out there. Uh, it, it's just a matter of people opening up their ears and being just willing to try something new. I, I think as we get older, we become creatures of of, of habit, you know, myself included oh, in many ways. You know, I am I'm becoming the grumpy old get off my lawn kid guy. You know, I'm, I know I'm getting there. <laughs> I got there a couple of years ago, but <laughs> Mr. Wanted, Wilson, oh, I'm Mr. Wilson from hell, but yeah, you know, like hearing new music totally jazzes me, you know, just hearing something new that I never heard before. And it's, it's not sparking the musician side of me. It's, it's sparking that humanistic side of me where I have a pair of ears and I want to hear something different. You know, I love steak. I, I don't think I can eat steak every night for the rest of my life. I'm going to get bored. Right. I need variety. But you know what? It, it's also true that, you know, if we look at Long Island, and, and I'll give you a prime example, we're very segmented. There is that, uh, you know, North Shore, South Shore, East End, Middle yeah. Island section, Nassau County, bordering Queens, yeah. neighborhood of stuff. Yes. I think some bands also get into, hey, you know what, I'd rather play within a 20-mile radius. I really don't want to hike it all out because, mm -hmm. yeah, the traffic and all this stuff. Mm -hmm. So that tends to compartmentalize where people go. I'm very happy to yeah. hear that you're heading to the center of the world, which is now Brooklyn, by the way, mm -hmm. uh, not Manhattan, to to kind of go out and find mm -hmm. out. And by the boy, as far as Queens and Brooklyn, man, you're meeting people from all sorts of cultures, which I think is fantastic yes. who that are yeah. going to be exposed to your music. And, and yeah. let's face it, Internet and social media certainly open up other audiences and can potentially it does. It does. create that it does. demand if, yes. you know, yeah, guess, just yeah. by playing in Brooklyn, we played when we played the Meadows, because we, we're really trying to get into a club called the Kingsland. It's one of the biggest clubs in Brooklyn, and they got their two smaller clubs called the Monarch and the Meadows. And you kind of got to cut your teeth and play at those places first before they book you into the Kingsland, which I'm cool with. But mm -hmm. we, we we played the Meadows about a month ago with two bands who I never heard of before. One of them was called the Blue Moods, and the other one's called the Dead Deads. Okay, two phenomenal bands. And the Dead Deads, uh, they're, they're from Nashville, and they're on this tour now, you know, the grassroots movement, you know, playing with this other band, you know, slogging it out in a van, going town to town. Never heard of them before, but damn, they're good. We enjoyed nice. playing with them. They were nice people. You know, again, getting out there, listening to something new, try something new. It's, it's not going to kill you. What's it going to take? Right. A few minutes of your life? What's the worst that happens? You find out you like it. 
you know? <laughs> exactly. It's not that bad. You know, no one ever died I, from listening to the music before, you know, that they, that they didn't like. You but know? you notice it's, it's, it's that sense of self of being open to things. And, and, and I think you hit the nail on the head with actually out pinpointing it is when you're talking about, you know, guitar and how you, you're self-taught, mm -hmm. but you still have that desire to keep learning, to keep oh, yeah. finding new ways to express yourself, yes. which, which I, I got to just tell you this really quick, small story, right? A friend of mine, Joe Costa turned 77 yesterday. Wow. He had, he played, uh, he had a band called, um, oh, I forget the name of the band, but they were great great musicians and he got up there 77 hmm. he used to be a drummer he actually recorded in electric ladyland really and met met ah. met uh, uh led zeppelin there wow he was he was this like wild three-piece and uh he he's he's a quintessential guy who hit the crossroads as a as a full-time musician mm -hmm. of whether to do the nightlife or the uh you know the family Mm -hmm. family thing and that's you know that's you hear those stories mm -hmm. all the time mm -hmm. but let me tell you when joe got up there to sing his four songs he turned into a 16 year old that's great and it was so cool and i looked at this and i saw some of the there were some older people in in the audience certainly but in the band and i'm like you know what this is cool you can just you can play this till you drop dead you know that's and it, and you could see the smiles and the joys in their faces and what they were doing I thought that was, that's it you know, you, if you're going to get up there and play music and not have a good time doing it, dude, why the frick are you doing it? Right. Do something you love to do. You know, I mean, I, I'm a firm believer in anything in life. You, you got to love what you do, whether it's a job, whether it's your hobbies, whether it's your relationships. Otherwise, you're not going to find fulfillment. And at the end of the day... Dude, we, only, we have very little time on this earth. I know myself, and you could say the same thing. I got more years behind me than I have in front of me. Right, right. All right? You know, I mean, I, for I, sure. I, I, I've been burying too many friends in the last couple of years. You know, mm -hmm. we're starting to realize our mortality. Get out there and have some freaking fun. So, right, right. you know, to me, getting on stage with some people that I really love, playing music that I really love, vibing off of an audience... If I make money, great. If I don't put money in my pocket that night, I don't care. You know, I mean, I I, I just want to play. You know, and I'm yeah, willing. You know, at least you can move on and say, I'm not going to say woulda, shoulda, coulda. You know, and and, and yeah, I have no it. regrets. I have no regrets. Right. If, if if I wanted to make it as a musician, I never would have got married. I never would have had kids. I would have moved away. The only closest thing I see to it now is I got a real good friend of mine who he played in Long Island bands his whole life. Mm -hmm. he's, he's my age. And a, a, a couple of years ago, he had enough. He quit his job. He took his oh, wife wow. and his teenager and he moved down to Nashville. And he's playing guitar in a couple of bands and he's working four or five, six nights a week. And he's having the time of his life. He's making money. But he's doing what he loves to do. And he keeps on saying, Mark, when are you coming down here? He goes, you, you, you'd be phenomenal down here. And I love Nashville. I've been to Nashville a couple of times already. And, and I love the scene down there. I, I'm just not ready to uproot my life, you know, uh, on the personal yeah. level that I, I, I just can't do it. But if I was a single guy, not married, with nothing going on at this age, oh, sure, man. I would have been down there already. And I, sure. I, I'd be making money doing something that I love to do. But... At this point in my life, I'm very content. I, I, I don't have any regrets. Uh, all the bands I've played in have been learning experiences. Uh, s some, you know, the ending was a, a, 
a little less acrimonious than others, but mm -hmm. we're all learning experiences. And, and I've never been envious of any other musician. I've never been jealous of anybody. I've never been intimidated by anybody else who is more talented than me. Can I play? Yeah. I'm not, I'm not going to say I'm the worst guitarist in the world, but you go to YouTube, there's, there's three-year-olds that oh. are you know running rings around me. There's, there's this little 10-year-old. prodigies. Who, Oh my God! There's this little ten-year-old girl named Ellen. I forget her last name. Oh yeah, sure. Oh my I, God, I, I, she's I, phenomenal. I, she's phenomenal. She's not from this planet. I, she's not even <laughs> human. She can't be. There's got to be an on-off switch somewhere on her. I don't know what she well, but is. But you man. see, you see the joy and and in the I love smile. It. I love her. Yeah. After every little reel, she starts cracking up because like, you hear this <laughs> with your eyes closed. You hear the musicianship of a person in their thirties, and then you open your eyes and you hear the giggle of a ten-year-old. I freaking love that, you know, to know that there's still some kids out there that want to play. Like my second son, my little, my little guy turns 12 years old. You know, okay. his, his mom is the, uh, the former singer, you know, and this kid right. has every opportunity to learn any instrument he wants. He's got so much musical talent around him. He doesn't want to do it, but he loves listening to the music. You know, as long as he loves listening to the music, I'll never make him play an instrument. You, you like listening to something, you want to learn about some bands, I'll teach you anything you want to know. Just, just love what you're hey, doing. And to me, that's the most yeah, important you know, thing in the you, world. You can, you can just make the opportunities for the people in your circle. Yeah. You can't create the desire. No. You know, I never would do desire, that. Like, look, look at the desire that you had as a young man that, you know, and you bounced it out. You know, you, you know, I didn't expect to hear like, oh, yeah, I played guitar, but I, I you know, failed out of high school. No, no. And the funny thing <laughs> is, is possible. my parents yeah. were very strict. I mean, my mother one time took my guitar and threw it down the stairs because I was punished and I wasn't allowed to play. Uh, I, I, I think I was maybe 13 at this point, somewhere <laughs> between 12 and 13. And I, I didn't get some good grades for one marking period. And, you know, my, my, my mother you said... You got a wake-up call. <laughs> oh, I got the wake-up call from hell. They're like, uh, no, my mother took the guitar and she goes, that's it, it's going in your closet for the entire marking period. I'm like, Ma, you might as well take just take one of my lungs with you. You know, take my will to live. What are you doing, Ma? Nope, nope, can't play the guitar. Now remember, this is the guitar that I didn't have a guitar amp. My mother was told, "Don't right. plug it in. You're gonna burn the house down." So here I am. I pull it out of the closet. I'm sitting in my bedroom, going, "Ding, ding, ding." You know, moms have that supersonic freaking hearing. Oh god. Oh yeah. Supersonic. The next thing I know, the bedroom door slams open. There's my mother. She's shrieking like a banshee. I'm almost crapping my pants. She grabs the guitar. I told you not to play it. She throws it down the stairs and the neck breaks <laughs> off the guitar. It wasn't my guitar. It was the one my cousin gave me, the Sears silver tone that probably oh would be worth a lot of money today. She didn't give a damn. She goes, that'll teach you. I'm like, Ma, you should have thrown me down the stairs instead. <laughs> she, basically, she basically did it away. <laughs> I had to wait until I was in my 40s before I had the nerve to tell my cousin that that happened to that guitar. Oh, he, had, he thought I had it over the years. How's, right, that, right. how's that silver tone? Oh, it's, it's great, man. It's great. It's doing great. Yeah. <laughs> nah, nah. But, uh, that's yeah. A, that's a, yeah. That's a, that's a, that's, you know, it's funny. <laughs> this ties exactly into the next song you brought, Overthrow. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. That, 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 that's our epic. That is probably my favorite song to play because okay. the, the outro is this interplay between me and Jerry, the bass player, where we All lock right. in. And I'm such a huge fan of dynamics in music. 
Mm. I, I don't want to be the Ramones. I don't want all four of us starting at the same time, playing the same chords and stopping at the same time. There's got to be texture. There's got to be dynamic. There's, there's got to be that, 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 that give and Ebb and state. flow. Ebb and flow, yeah. exactly. Yeah. And this is the song that when we play it, I'm, it's, it's, it's like my favorite part of the show. And it's always towards the end. It was like the second to last song that we play. And it's gotten okay. to the point now where Jose, he, he just walks off the stage. He just gets away from me and Jerry, and the two of us get to lock in. You know. Oh, that's neat. And again, it comes from my love of like Dream Theater and Rush and that, you know, that interplay between the instruments. You know, and, mm. and uh, it's my absolute favorite song to play in the set, even more so well, than I, some of the stuff that I'm writing for the band. Well, you know what? You, you created a good appetite because I always talk about, hey, look, we can listen to snippets of songs on social media, mm -hmm. but you got to see these guys live because what you explained as far as the interplay, believe yes. the people listening to this yeah. podcast, when they see you, they're going to see that mm -hmm. and hear that. So. Oh, we are definitely a live band. You know, there's a lot of bands out there that, because with you know today's recording technology, mm -hmm. everything is so perfect. Right. It's not done on tape anymore. And it's not like back in the day when you were a studio musician and you were called in and you had one shot to get one take. And otherwise, if you didn't get it right, you were fired. I've done studio work before. I know what that's like. Mm. Now, I could obsess over one phrase in a song. I could spend hours just tweaking this thing to make it so freaking perfect. But the, with the perfection, you lose the warmth. You lose that realism. Mm. That's an interesting point. Our songs sound great in the studio. That much I will tell you. But you have to see us live to fully appreciate us. You, that's the whole idea of music. It becomes this living, breathing thing when you play it live. Because all the studio trickery in the world, all the auto-tune, all these different plugins and everything, you could take a person who started playing guitar last week and you make him sound like the most phenomenal thing in the world with the studio trickery. Get on stage. No backing tracks. Off. That's it. You, it's got to be all you or it's nothing. And that's that's where the, the proof in the pudding belongs. That That's where it resides. You got to see us live to really appreciate us. I, I This is probably by far the most phenomenal band I've ever played in as far as live. I've played in some good bands. I've played with some great musicians. I'm with these guys for a reason. It works. You got to see right, us so live now to appreciate I, it. I feel the audience is like, oh, all right, I want to hear the song. I want to hear the song, Steve. <laughs> no, they're saying, would that guy just finally shut up and stop talking about his band? Let the, mu let the music play. <laughs> All right, everybody. We're going <laughs> to we're gonna have Mark shut up, and we're going to listen to Overthrow. Check it out, everyone. We'll be right back after the song. Stick with us. Stop your scheming. Pay your share. Raise a fit is your chance to fly.
Hey, everybody, Steve Yusko, and you're back here with Mark Valentino. I tell you, we talked about so much secret stuff during the break. I think we're going to get another podcast out of it. But anyway, I love that. <laughs> hey, Mark, thanks for all the great tips and the insight on the music business. I think it's going to be very informative for our audience. Tell me what Amada has coming up. What's what's the future for Amada? Where are you going with things? Right. How do you see this band continuing to be the powerhouse that they are? Well, you know, the strength is in the live shows like we spoke about before the break. And mm -hmm. I'm trying to get us out there roughly once a month uh, because as an original band, you don't want to play out too often. You start to dilute your audience. If, if you've got shows okay. coming up every weekend and you create that Facebook invite and you send it out to everybody and people are like, oh, well, I can't make this week. I'll make next week. They're playing out a lot. Mm. Good point. We're trying to keep people interested by not overdoing it, but we don't want to play out too seldomly where people forget who we are. I'm with you. Yeah, so right now we're, we're just trying to play out once a month for the most part. We, we like playing through promoters. We, we play through Power of Music Productions. We play through uh, PDT Entertainment. Uh, but one of the... Oh, yeah. yeah oh, Patty Dodge, Patty Dodge yeah. right? So, yeah, and, I met Patty. She's amazing. Andy Sulo from Power of Music. He's, I've, I've been playing shows with Andy since back in the day. But one of the new promoters, this up-and-coming fellow named uh, Dave Black. He's doing a lot of okay. great stuff. And uh, we've been trying to get on his radar for quite some time now. Uh, I, I would text him repeatedly, send him Facebook messages. Hey, Dave, we're looking to do something. Still looking to do something. And uh, he finally, he's giving us a shot uh, for this original music showcase that he does on particular Wednesday nights uh, at the Parson Blake House in Ronkakuma. So we're going to do a special Wednesday night event. Uh, it's free admission. You know, come on down. Uh, see what we're all about. You know, we, we are, I think, one of the better Long Island live bands. There's a lot of great bands out there. I, I think we can rank up there with them, you know, and uh, Excellent. if you don't believe me, come down and check it out and prove me wrong. Or let me prove you wrong. <laughs> oh, he's throwing the gauntlet down Absolutely. again. <laughs> go big or go home, man. My, my nickname in the firehouse was The Big Show. I don't do anything small in life. So, but I put my money where my mouth is. There's a couple of jokes in there. I'm not going to, I'm going to keep it clean. Okay. <laughs> I can only go small. I'll leave that to yeah, your imagination. Oh anyway. <laughs> hey, such Mark, I tell you, sometimes when I come into an interview and I do my research, I never know what I'm walking into. Man, what a pleasure it was talking yeah, to you here, today. Thank you. Uh, thank you. I look forward to having you guys back. I look forward to seeing uh, Armada live and, uh, I'll get my lessons on heavy metal. There you go, hard rock metal. <laughs> and, you know, www.armadarockband.com. You know, we have all of our music up there, some videos, our, our live show schedule, pictures, anything you want to learn about us. We're on Facebook. We're on Instagram. You know, come and check us out. Nice. So I, I many times, not in every episode, I sign off this way. My good friend Bob Murray said, uh, you know, Steve, we can account for what we have in the bank and what we own can never account for the time that we have left on this earth. Absolutely. And, uh, Mark, for the fact that you gave me uh, a good hour and more of your time, is, is I really appreciate it. And I think I have a new friend here. Absolutely. So. I, I love talking music. I love, I love talking about so many different subjects with, with, with good people. You know, it, it, it's, it's, life's too short, man. Just to sit by yourself and, you know, hide from things. Nah, that, that's not me. You know, I, again, got more years behind me than I have in front of me. Uh, I want to enjoy life. I want to be with good people, like yourself. I really appreciate that, Mark. Thanks. 
Thank you for joining us today. I appreciate the time you spent with us. Please subscribe and comment and visit us at gigdestiny.com. Till next time, be generous with your joy, keep your spirits high, and let the music take you on a journey. Be well. Peace. Thank you.